So our scripture for today comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We are also good. Good morning. My name is Chan Choi. My parents are he, him, his, and serving Urban Village Edgewater and South Slovakia site pastor. I really appreciate all our worship leaders and volunteers, and especially a big shout out to our South Slovakia Edgewater worship leader and worship team. So I'm so thankful for, and Jennifer and Alexa also. So, you know, as a, a preacher, I sometimes spend more time to think about a sermon title rather than the contents. And here is uh, this morning's uh, sermon title, Great Resignation in the Sea of Galilee. Great Resignation in the Sea of Galilee. What do you think? So, as you may be familiar with, Great Resignation is about a economic trend that millions of workers left their jobs at, right, during this pandemic. And in today's passage, Jesus' first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they also left their job as a fisher, isn't it? And, and there is another point in common, and it is not merely about quitting a job, but it is more about rediscovering and redefining their work in relation to one's life purpose and meaning. Right? So that's which one I feel like, all right, great resignation in the Sea of Galilee would be really cool sermon title for today. And there will be various reasons for a great resignation during this pandemic. Some people just wanted to start their own business or independent thing or simply look for a better wage or compensation. But more importantly, people are searching for jobs that better align with their values and purpose. So the first disciples had a similar experience with Jesus called, come follow me. And then they left everything behind for the new vocation as fisher for people that gave them a new purpose and meaning of life. And we know that how radical their immediate decision to follow Jesus was because they left behind everything they, that they valued before, right? And it was also a brave decision because they didn't know what their future would look like. So I'd like to call it a miracle. And, and that's pretty interesting. There are several um, similar stories in the gospel regarding Jesus calling to his disciples. And in the gospel of Matthew, this is the very first thing that Jesus did for his public ministry. So there is no way to learn or see Jesus teaching where miracles power for the first disciples. There is only a vocational calling. Come, follow me. And I will make you a fisher 
for people. And they just followed Jesus without any questions. So it was a miracle. And this calling is not about a specific work or a job. Rather, it was a way to explain the purpose of Jesus' ministry that he wanted to do with them. So if they were farmers, Jesus would call them to plant the seed of the gospel. And if they were carpenters, Jesus would call them to build the community of faith. And the first disciples accepted this call by living their old life and old values. So I would like to suggest a new title. All right, so just forget about the great resignation in the Sea of Galilee. Here is a new title of today's message as Great Acceptance instead of the Great Resignation because it is a story of people who boldly accepted the call from Jesus that transformed their life and its purpose. And this call has never, ever been stopped. Amen. So this morning, I'm so happy to invite Julie, our South Slipside member, who also responded and accepted this vocational call. So please welcome Julie. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So folks, if we are able, please show your uh, one welcoming to Julie through your comment section. So uh, Julie, thanks for being here this morning as my preaching partner. So would you mind introducing yourself to the people who are joining today's workshop? Yes, thank you for having me. My name is Julie. I am a member of UBC South Loop, and I've been attending UBC South Loop since the first day we opened at Spurtis many, many years ago. Uh, and I've done so many different things there. Uh, discipleship chair, uh, vision team uh, leader, so on and so forth. So many that I can't always remember to name. Uh, and in my personal life, I am an associate professor uh, teaching English and linguistics, English composition and linguistic, linguistics. And uh, I do a lot of civic engagement work and equity. All right. Thank you, Julie. So I hope, you know, since teaching is your uh, main profession, so hope you are feeling comfortable today. <laughs> so talking like this, right? Um, well, it's funny. Uh, if I, I talk every day, all day, but in these kinds of situations, there's a little bit of anxiety. So all the prayers <laughs> and good energy that I can receive. I, I, uh, all right. So please send the, your positive uh, energy and prayer for uh, Julie and for myself. So as we begin our conversation, I wonder if you remember your first job. And also, folks in uh, our, our online online worship, please share your first, uh, very first job, if you remember that. So how about you, Julie? Do you remember your first job? I do. I do. Uh, and, and I look at that as my first real job, not the job at the mall in high school. Uh, yeah, I was a fundraising specialist at a nonprofit organization. Um, yeah, that was my job. Oh. Huh. Actually, fundraising specialist and event planner. Wow, I I didn't know that. This is totally new story, and so I'm just wondering what what's your first job? Was your dream job that you have wanted to have? You know what? Um, I I'm gonna say somewhat. I'm saying somewhat because I always wanted to work in the capacity of helping others, and so in this case. It was helping 
um, the mission of an organization um, that was created to help inner city youth. So in a way, and if you think about it, like first getting out of college, it, it somewhat was a dream job. Uh, so yeah, mm. I was very, I was very pleased to do the work. Mm. That's pretty interesting. You know, for me, my current job as a pastor is my first full-time job. And it wasn't, not, it wasn't my dream job. You know, my father was a pastor. So I've seen how hard it is to be a pastor. So I always wanted to be a big financial supporter of his ministry rather than being a pastor. And, you know, that's the reason why I majored in business and, and, and in Korea to get a well-paid job. You need a language skill. So I went to the Brisbane, Australia to study abroad and, and for me, Brisbane was my Sea of Galilee, where I found a vocation, a call that changed my value and purpose of life. And, you know, it was pretty interesting because at Brisbane, I was able to feel the freedom and unconditional joy and happiness every day during that time. So I feel like God seems to invite me to this opportunity of focusing on and listening to God's calling without worrying about anything else. Then I realized my gifts and things I love are matched with and, and pointed out one vocation being a pastor. And here I am. And I'm here today by accepting God's calling. So Julie, how about you? And you said that was a sort of your dream job. What led you to accept the calling for the current job? You know, I experienced a lot of authoritarian structures at that job. Mm -hmm. And just with my personality, I knew that that would not work for me. So uh, I know that structures are necessary to get work done in organizations. But when structures interfere with the help, you know, with, with helping people or with the mission, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And at that time, um, not really, I, I always had the courage to, um, to give my opinion, my professional opinion about how things are going. But, you know, I, I lived in the South and that was just a whole other way of, of, of being in relationship with people, including at work. Mm -hmm. So because I had already always looked at myself as a lifelong learner, it just made sense for me to go back to graduate school. So I went to graduate school and I was literally approached to do a teaching fellowship because some of my professors, as well as uh, some of my mentors, observed the work that I was doing and thought that I would be good at that job. But literally, I was one of those people. I was on my way to being 30, not knowing what I wanted to do, even though I, I had not reached that age. And so I did that, and you know, many many people in the family said that that was like a natural gift uh, because I literally have been doing that teaching in some way as a very, very young child. And so in some way or another. So even though I had this a fellowship at a university and I was doing this thing, I kept saying, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not going to be a teacher. And sometimes I, I say it today. Uh, but then I... I persisted, and I was really lucky to have studied uh, Parker Palmer, uh, Let Your Life Speak, and especially The Courage to Speak 
I was really engaged in the courage to teach. And uh, some way or another, uh, throughout the entire time I was there or uh, in a specific program, that particular text was always studied. And what I found interesting, what drew me to the, uh, just this Palmer period, is the use of the word vocation instead of profession or career. And because teaching is so hard, um, I feel like I feel like it is a vocation for many. I feel like it is something that um, someone is called to do, especially individuals who teach the younger ones, right? So, like by the time they get to me as adults, the most you know the most impactful learning and and learning experiences they have had started in preschool, believe it or not. So, yeah, vocation always spoke to me. It is truly a vocation. Mm -hmm. Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing those uh, experiences and story. And, and especially, I know we had a chance to talk about what you are doing, not only for teaching, you're also working on uh, that comedy for the justice and, and, and racial justice and some something. So could you a little bit share about what you're doing uh, for that value too? Well, yeah, uh, I mean, so many different things. And I've always worked in some capacity around uh, anti-racism and justice. But during the pandemic, uh, we, everyone in the, basically in the world um, was uh, engaged in remote learning, which is what we called it at that time. And after the George Floyd killings, there was just a, there was just like even a virtual feeling of just pain and numbness. Mm -hmm. And that is the time when I saw many organizations that I'm affiliated with just kind of like say, hey, we have to do something about this. And so that's when you see equity plans come about and new uh, goals and objectives toward um, what we what we call it in higher ed is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And those words aren't as specific as they are ambiguous, <laughs> but just kind of like the work of changing the landscape of equity and fairness and justice in the country. And we know that this happens by dismantling systems and higher education is one of the largest systems in the world. So I'm happy in some capacity to be able to, to do something small because, and this is something that I say all the time, we cannot say everything will be fair on December 23rd, 2022. That's not, I mean, we're talking about long-term transformation, mm -hmm. long-term transformation. And that's just, you know, doing your best to do a little bit every day. And mm -hmm. even if you only see a very minute um, end of change, I feel like that's change in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And thanks for sharing that. And I really love to hear that it's not, it's everyday effort, but the, for the long-term transformation. And, you know, when I, when I search it for the meaning of work, some people said, this is kind of a long-time commitment for, you know, what you are doing and for your own, you know, self-realization or something. And, you know, as I shared great resonation, 
during this pandemic, so many people struggle with their current job or future job. And so it's a little, you know, sensitive question. Have you ever thought about quitting your current job? And and what was the biggest challenge regarding your work and vocation during this pandemic? So I think that when you work in any helping profession, every day is the day that you think about quitting your job for various legitimate reasons. It is hard. It is hard to see people in pain. It is hard to see people struggle, so on and so forth. And um, so that coupled with um, always making sure to remember that I am a person who has needs. I also have to give myself the kind of attention uh, and time that I give to others. So. Uh, Luckily, I was already thinking of how to pivot um, because I, I like my job and because I believe I'm good at it. Um, I just needed something, I just need something fresh and new. And so um, in a way, even though I was always working um, um, towards equity issues in some form of, or another, I just made sure I could pivot within the organization that I work in. And that was a way to bring about something new and refreshing. So I, I definitely understand that um, that people are, I, it's a long time coming. Um, it's a long time coming and it's something that I thought about way before we had the term called, the phrase called the great resignation. And I think within within the past eight months, I started to hear that term and I said, yeah, this is it. This is where we are. And so you have people on different sides of the, of the field when they say, oh, I, I can't get this thing done because there are no workers. Oh, I can't, uh, I have to bag my own groceries because there are no workers. And I say, hooray for anyone who recognizes that they can no longer do the thing that they're doing and they have to um, they have to listen to themselves to figure that out it's unfortunate that and, and I've all I've always not really agreed with the five day long work week that we you know uh, practice in the US and so I was happy to see these things happening because I think that if in our country we can have happier people people at some point we can get to a happy a happier society so of course you know this is we're at the beginning so who knows where where we're going to end in this mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like this is not a new new trend and there's the people who left their job for something and but i feel like this pandemic seasons just highlighted and and motivate people to and think about very seriously and deepen and their understanding about work and themselves. And I love to hear that and listen to your own voice from your bottom of heart. And and you know what? And while I'm reading through the article about the great resignation, I just recall the John 21. This is a story of the disciples. They went to the Sea of Tiberias after losing their teacher, their master, their leader, Jesus. So they went back to the Sea of Tiberias and they're doing what they used to do, the fishing. And that night they didn't get anything. So I feel like 
this passage just describes uh, their empty heart and challenges after losing their direction in life because Jesus called them and they thought, all right, this is a very concrete and solid vocation and calling for myself, but suddenly they lost their direction in their life. And then, you know, that's not the end of the story, right? Then the resurrected Jesus visited them and, and reminded them of his promise and calling by filling their nets with tons of fish. And I think this scene also shows us how our faith, how our faith helps us redefine our work and purpose and and deepen our understanding of purpose in the midst of hardship. So this will be a very final question for you. How does your faith, how does your faith help you redefine your work and purpose and lead you to uh, keep motivating you to keep moving forward? Uh, when I think about that, I feel like with faith, it's like all that I have. So like in a world where uh, we cannot escape the unknown, we cannot escape uh, strife, trials, tribulations, really, especially uh, when you are a person who believes you have answers all the time for, for people to solve problems, the reality is we do not have all the answers. So when I can't solve a problem or fix something or make something right, I can either have a breakdown or I can just rely on my faith and recognize that it is something outside of myself that I'm going to have to lean on and trust. And I know that's very hard for people. Uh, and I acknowledge that, although that is something that's easy for me. I never forget that I can lean on God. I never forget that no matter what happens, my, my faith and my strength and belief in God will get me to the other side, even when I can't even fathom what the other side looks like. And so, but I also, uh, as, as, as uh, strongly as I can say that, I also like to acknowledge that not everyone uh, feels that way. And so, so part of my faith is knowing that they can um, one day have that same kind of feeling and, and be encouraged to, to, to lean into something that's larger than themselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Julie. And, and you know, thanks for your sharing your honest story and also thoughts from your work and your experience. And I'm sure this conversation, it'll be a powerful encouragement and an insight for all of us, right? Who live in this dynamic of great resignation and great acceptance. So. Thank you so much.